Good morning, we'll be reading, yeah, Matthew 25, verses 34 through 40. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you are blessed of my fathers. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. But I was, I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer, answer him, saying, Lord, when we see you hungry and feed you, or, thirst, or thirsty and give you drink. When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Not a year back, uh, we had the opportunity to take a group to Nicaragua with Hope for Humanity. Hope for Humanity is what in-gathering used to be. And its expanded purpose and vision includes AIDS work in Africa, for example, with orphans there, and literacy in Central America and India. Now, we were able to take Rick Bell and Janice Hinkle and Naomi Smith and Omar Ramirez and... I'm missing one. Rick Rofler and myself and had a wonderful experience there. And then the opportunity came not too far later to make a trip to El Salvador. And I put some quick ads out to see if any of you were available to go short notice, and it turned out nobody was. So I took my family. And we are here today to just remind you of the larger work that we all get to participate in uh, through the church. Sometimes we, we are stuck in our own realities, our day-to-day existences and world. There's nothing wrong with this. This is what we do. And it's not our job to minute by minute be mindful of what's happening in another part of the world necessarily. But every now and then we get the chance to take a little look at what's happening and what's happening through extended efforts in the organization we support and are part of. And those reports can come back to us and shock us. They can come back to us and bless us. They can come back to us and encourage us. They can come back to us and make us mindful in a way that allows us to redirect our energies, to envision for the world a future bigger than the future, better than the future, which is probable. Should we not be mindful? Should we not be proactive? Should we not be uh, willing to give? So I want to invite my family up at this time. And if we could get the presentation uh, in the, in the uh, stick drive there, presentations, Honus family, Greg, Jill, and Brennan. Um, I'm going to have to get you to uh, cursor through it as we say next slide, if you're able to get that up at this time. While we're waiting for for that, we had, uh, the way this works is a, a, not a mission trip per se, it's a process of 
going down and in working through something called appreciative inquiry, which I'll talk a little bit more about later, and expressing support for what people are doing in these locations, learning ourselves about the program and the processes, becoming inspired with what it is that's being done, and then sharing that with local congregations as we come back. The other part of that is that there's a multiple participation financially in these sorts of outings. Hope for Humanity takes care of local expenses and your West region, uh, you the local church, and then we as a family each took care of part of the expenses of travel and some things related to that. So we're here also to express our appreciation to you as you participated in, in allowing both the Nicaragua trip earlier and the El Salvador trip that we just more recently went on. Are you able to pull up the presentation? You're not. Okay. Well, maybe another time. What we'll do is between Sabbath school and church, we'll pull up what's called a family album. And it has slide-by-slide pictures of our actual trip there with descriptions of what we were able to do uh, in terms of learning about Hope for Humanity, El Salvador itself, and, uh, and so forth. So maybe if you're early to church one week, you'll see that uh, scrolling through and playing sometime. Are you able to get the larger media presentation? Okay, maybe later? Okay. Uh, I'm going to invite uh, my wife to go first, and she's going to share some things from her journal. As we were um, on our uh, visit to El Salvador, we were provided with some materials by Hope for Humanity and the folks that organized the trip and encouraged to uh, write in a journal on a daily basis just about our reflections and observations. And I'm really glad (laughs) they encouraged us to do that because life moves really fast and you think some things are so... uh, moving and impressive while you're there and then you come back and you go back to work and and life just keeps moving so I'm glad that I have my journal and some some uh, notes from our trip there and I hope that we can get our pictures uh, up before the service is over but if not sometime because the visual um, images of of our time there were so uh, meaningful that we we got to preview before we came home from my journal uh, on from June 30, Reflections on Visit to a Literacy Group. We walked, well, we actually took a bus out of the city of San Salvador where we were staying to, um, I think, suburb is too city-fied of a word. We actually were over the river and through the woods and up and up and up and a little road and to a a road that you didn't think your bus was going to make it up. And it was raining and it was muddy and we ended up walking uh, to the home of a woman who had had volunteered to let her home be used for a a literacy circle. And there were about a dozen to 15 people gathered there. And they literally meet underneath a corrugated tin awning and uh, a concrete slab, whether it's raining or not, because it does rain a lot there, obviously. So their group was already in progress when we got there, and it felt like when we arrived that it would be hard if I was part of their group, my way of thinking, 
uh, was that I would feel almost resentful of this group of people intruding on what I had going on already in my home or as a member of the reading circle, but that wasn't our experience at all. Uh, the teacher's name was Evelyn. Evelyn had been offered a, a well-paying job in the police department, uh, but she had already started her time with this group, and the commitment is for about a year and a half, and she felt like she knew her group individually very well and that she wasn't uh, willing to give up what she knew they had in her in terms of her knowledge of them to do something else, even though this position is a volunteer one and not compensated. So her commitment to her group was very impressive from the outset. So Evelyn's group was the group that we visited on this Tuesday, June 30th. While visiting Evelyn's group, I was able to spend extended time talking with a family group consisting of a mother, her adult daughter, and her eight-year-old son, the mother's eight-year-old son. Although the mother appeared old enough to be the boy's grandmother, it was clear she was not. I had to get this straight in my head. I was amazed at how eager the adult women were to learn, painstakingly forming the letters to spell their names, and just as amazed at how eager eight-year-old Brian was to help his mother with her letters. But the most amazing and meaningful aspect of the visit was how connected as humans we could become in a very short time. Our sincere desire to share a story transcended age, education, and cultural differences. We became human beings, each with our own purpose, value, and work to do. I was amazed at how sweet everybody was to each other, how kind and how earnest, and at the stories we heard from the different people about how they wanted to be able to write their names so that when they went to the bank or if they had any kind of an official application or um, document they needed to sign, they didn't have to dip their finger in ink and then leave a fingerprint. And how this uh, inky mark on their finger was almost a badge of shame, well, it was actually a badge of shame because it, it proved that they didn't know how to write. And how eager they were to learn to read so that when they went to church, whether it was the Adventist church or any church, they would be able to go home and read the Bible for themselves to see if what they were being taught was true. They wanted to know for themselves. There were also stories of people who were not able to read who would be tricked by other people into getting on the wrong bus because they couldn't read the destination on the front of the bus. And how what we take for granted in our country uh, in terms of the ability to read and write from a very young age um, marks them and their identity and uh, prevents them from living as fully humanly as, as we just take for granted. We have pictures. So if uh, I may, we're going to just walk you through the album we created. Uh, were, you, were you ready for that, or do you have more to say? Okay, let's, let's see the first slide, please. There we go. This is our group at the base of one of the um, uh, places we went to see literacy circles that actually met in a Seventh-day Adventist church. Most of the time, literacy circles in Nicaragua and El Salvador happen in homes. This particular area had a literacy circle in the church, People came from all over, and some of you might recognize North American Division President Don Schneider on the left, and Brennan up in the upper right there 
with the black shirt wave uh, there, Brennan. Okay, next slide, please. Uh, Literacy Project is a a ministry of the rapidly growing Adventist Church in El Salvador where there are nearly 200,000 members. The project is a result of a partnership between the SDA Church in El Salvador and Hope for Humanity, a ministry of the North American Division. Go ahead. These are pictures of teachers and students. In the middle is a woman named Erlinda in her literacy circle helping one of the older students learn. There were many mothers there with young children, some of them um, not yet weaned, who were working on learning to read and write, and men who had worked uh, half careers or more who were anxious to improve their lot in life. Next slide. Jill, why don't you take us through this? In communities across El Salvador... Lay teachers are currently teaching more than 60 literacy classes known as learning circles, which meet four or five days a week for about two hours a day for seven months. The teachers are volunteers. Many of them are in school, are raising families, or have jobs, and many other responsibilities in addition to teaching the literacy classes. All of these are teachers that we just saw there that we got to see in action. The teachers are drawn from the community in which they live and serve, but some must do quite a bit of walking to get to their classes. They are happy to persevere because they know that learning to read will make a tremendous difference in the lives of their students. Many of the students who are faithfully pursuing this means of receiving an education had a difficult childhood that kept them from going to school. While some of the students are members of the Adventist Church who cannot read, the literacy classes are also an important outreach to the communities where the church is growing. The teachers and the supervisors receive training through the Government Ministry of Education, which also supplies the workbooks and awards the students certificates of completion when they finish the classes. The whiteboards, notebooks, pencils, and other supplies are provided by the literacy program. The meeting place is provided by the church or by the students and teachers themselves. Next slide. Each level of the three-level program is comparable to two years of elementary school. At the end of the third level, the students are functionally able to read, write, and do basic math. The three levels there are equivalent in the end to a sixth grade education. So if somebody does the literacy program in either Nicaragua or El Salvador for three years, they then have the option of going into trade school after sixth grade, or they can go on to middle school, which is a really big deal. The program succeeds because of the commitment of the teachers, the commitment of the students, and the commitment of people like you who support Hope for Humanity and make possible this program to help the people of El Salvador. In this, we'll go back to uh, another comment on that photograph in just a moment. Okay, now we'll do it. Um, Many of you may recognize um, Pastor Tim Garrison on your right there in the black shirt. Pastor Tim uh, was the pastor of the Camarillo Adventist Church for many years and now pastors a uh, Moore Park Community Church, church plant in the Moore Park area that meets on Saturday evenings. And he's a huge um, 
supporter of Hope for Humanity and was with us on this trip and was able to present uh, that gentleman on your left, Maitland DePento, who is the director of Hope for Humanity, with a check for, I believe, $6,000. Uh, that was money that was raised here in the West region to support Hope for Humanity and which was completely unexpected to uh, Maitland and was, uh, as you can tell, a great joy to him and a joy to us to be able to see Tim present it. $2,600 of that money came from us locally here, so that's really very positive. And Greg, how much does it cost uh, for one year for one student? It's not very much money. I remember Maitland saying the number. It was... It's $40, $41 per student. Per year. So you can see that $6,000 uh, educates a number of people. It has a lot greater good than, than $6,000 sounds. Jesus was a teacher, and it is easy to see the Spirit of God working through these classes, opening a new world of understanding to their students. And while baptisms are not the goal of this program, many are coming to know Jesus through the commitment of the teachers, and churches are being established in the neighborhoods where the classes are being held. Hope for Humanity is a key partner in the literacy program in El Salvador, and support from members in North America through Hope for Humanity is vital to the continued success of the program. You can make a difference in the lives of the beautiful people of El Salvador. Yeah, she is gorgeous. That little girl is so cute. Well, uh, Brennan also got to travel, and being uh, a teenager, he is perhaps Hope for Humanity's youngest uh, ambassador. And he had a, a, a different experience he's going to share with you. Yeah, I, uh, I went to all the same places my parents did and saw all the same stuff, but uh, I had a, a little different take on everything. I hung out with um, kids from the Adventist Intercollegiate Association, AIA, which uh, is a program across North America. And they take a, a kid from every Adventist college and they sent them down to this trip, and it was, it was cool hanging out with them because they're more my age group. They were really, actually really intelligent people, and they uh really fun to hang out with. And I met this kid named Nick, who's from uh, Canadian University College, and uh, on a later trip last summer, I we went to Canada, and I actually took a trip to Canadian University, University College because he went there and it was it was interesting uh, the effects these kids had on me because um, well no it was I don't know how to describe it they were just smart they were positive too weren't they and fun uh, yeah <laughs> and energetic and had a great sense of humor um, yeah <laughs> Sorry about this. Um, just to fill in a part of the picture of what the Adventist Intercollegiate Association is doing, over the course of the next year, um, each of the students, one student from each um, Adventist college campus across North America, was uh, represented on this trip, as well as their faculty sponsors who happened to be based at um, Union, Union College in Lincoln, Nebraska, and who actually know quite well our own Daniel and, Tanya and uh, Luciana Suffolk. So there's just all these really great connections. But anyway, AIA 
over the course of the next year has uh, selected Hope for Humanity as the charity for which they will uh, raise money and be representatives across each campus for the, the upcoming school year. So each campus uh, and their representative have purpose to raise money for Hope for Humanity. And so they will be working together on their campuses, but also as a collective group across North America to raise money for Hope for Humanity. And I have to tell you that <laughs> it's, it's challenging for me to think of myself as old, but being around them, it wasn't challenging. <laughs> They're so energetic and have such a fresh take on life and are so enthusiastic. It was just, it made the whole trip so much more fun and so much more uh, engaging. And I am totally stealing my son's time, so I will move over. Um, another group that I got to hang out with were the technology crew, and they had uh, two professional videographers and a professional photographer down there, along with uh, Ray Tate, who owns Mind Over Media, which is a technology company, basically. And they were down there um, taking pictures and working on that family album, and everybody else's, and uh, they made videos and all sorts of stuff. And I got to hang out with them and take pictures, and they were really, really smart people, and they, uh, they were good at what they did. They were really, really dedicated, which was made, had a huge impact on me. Um, they worked often 18 or 20-hour days, so that they could put out these presentations and videos by the time we left, along with taking pictures all day long. And uh, this guy named Matt Hamill, who was a photographer, uh, was a big mentor to me while I was down there. He taught me a lot about photography and um, just spent time with me, showing me how everything worked. Um, and he, I went to his room where he was working on his laptop, and he had a, a stack of Red Bulls that, um, that were his uh, secret fuel to keep the machine going all night long. Um, Hopefully that wasn't your inspiration, but uh, <laughs> great people. Yeah, so the, it, was, um, it was a big influence, and they, they really opened my eyes to what the, this church is about and how, how, how dedicated they were. It's just had a really big impact on me. Uh, it helped me to realize that the church has a mission way beyond what we see on a daily basis. Um, I was inspired by basically everything I saw in El Salvador and the dedication of these people and their, their mission beyond getting paid to do their job. That was really cool. Amen. Thank you, Jill and Brennan. Appreciate that. If you'll cue the uh, other presentation, uh, great. Okay, I'm not ready for that yet, but we'll, we'll get to that. The text that was read today was taken from Matthew. It's a very familiar one. One of the things that was talked about while we were there was put in these terms, and I want you to just spend a minute with me in these terms. 
probable outcome. Okay? That is what is likely to happen when we do little or nothing about a situation. There's could be outside forces, other outside forces that intervene, right? But the trajectory is likely to keep going where it's going and there is a probable outcome that we can predict when we think about life and about what we do day to day. Then if we give something uh, a little bit of thought and we give it a little bit of uh, intention and we, we put a little energy toward it, we can change from probable future to possible future. We can envision something other or better than what is. How many of you do that with your lives all the time? I think it probably takes the form of what I would do if I won the lottery. Um, that's a... Uh, <laughs> not much of a possible, by the way. You have a better chance of a great white shark biting you in your bathtub when you take a bath tomorrow morning than you do of winning the lottery. Uh, you know, but nevertheless... Uh, we think in terms of possibilities sometimes. How could I alter the future? And in fact, so much uh, of our lives is built around that. But then there's something called a preferred future. And a preferred future is something we envision that we actively work toward. Now, when it comes to Matthew 25, we have a judgment scene. We have a separation of sheep and goats, which reminds me just to, to say last week I wasn't clear about the fact that while the scapegoat, I think, has certain similarities in terms of, uh, what shall I say, uh, it, its aloneness and so forth with aspects of the Christ story, the scapegoat ultimately goes into the desert and is, is representative of Satan. So I, I didn't make that real clear last week. I just wanted, in case you were confused by that, to, to interject that today. But you have this judgment taking place between uh, two groups, the sheep and the goats, and they're being separated out. The group that you want to be in is the group that sees Jesus naked and clothes him, that sees him hungry and feeds him, that sees him thirsty and gives him to drink, and so forth and so on. And we can add to this numerous things. It's not taking away from the text at all. It's not putting something that isn't there. I could not read and you taught me to read. It can be there. I was a victim of ignorance and you educated me. The point is that when we see someone and do for them when they cannot do for themselves, we do for Christ. And we put ourselves not in a unique position by our actions, but we evidence that the spirit of the living God is at work among us and in us, moving us, directing us to do the work of Christ. Now, when we think about a world and we think about the masses of people out there, the probable future is that ignorance and misinformation, illiteracy and violence and so forth will continue on forever. Maybe growing in some circles, lessening in others. 
The possible outcome we can envision is that maybe with a better government program or someone else doing something, the trajectory could change a little bit or the numbers slightly. But what would be the preferred outcome? The preferred outcome that we can envision is where we would want to be when Jesus says, come you blessed of my father. The preferred outcome is to envision a world in which we have done what we could do to eliminate ignorance, to eliminate illiteracy. That would be one version of a preferred future. And so as we look at this program and look at these lives, is this the work of Jesus? It's one of the questions that I ask. Is this the work of Jesus? And it's the work of Jesus if we can see the face of Jesus in the faces of the poor if we can respond to the needs as we're able. And this does not mean that we quit what we're doing and drive or fly down to El Salvador and begin a ministry and mission of our own. It means that when we have a chance to do something as simple as making a contribution, perhaps, to Hope for Humanity, we participate in something much greater than ourselves. When we think about how we could translate that notion of illiteracy and ignorance to our own community, what can we do? locally to shape a preferred future not a possible future or a probable future I would like to play uh, notes from the journals that, that the people uh, recorded and that Mind Over Media put together and then we'll conclude I guess that means it's 12.15. Is that what that... <laughs> and we've turned into a pumpkin once again. Uh, another time. I'd like you to turn to Isaiah, if you would. Isaiah 58. I'm going to start in verse 5. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself. Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed, or for lying on sackcloth and ash? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Verse 6, is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry? And to provide the poor wanderer with shelter. When you see the naked to clothe him. And not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn. And your healing will quickly appear. Your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help. And he will say. Here am I. We have a work to do. We have an extended mission. We have a first-rate organization known as Hope for Humanity that is doing a fabulous work in Africa, in India, and in Central America. And we can be proud but it's up to us to participate and to expand and grow all of this. It's up to us
to make it a part of ourselves, part of our mission. Thank you. Lord, in a world of preferred outcomes, we would be your agents. We would be your hands. We would bless those around us. And we would mirror the grace of Jesus. Send us forth to do your bidding. For we would be yours indeed. Amen.